Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hello there. Welcome to the program. Um, Good to be with you again today. We've got another Anytown program today, and uh, those are always fun. Our friends at Anytown High School are standing by, and they're going to be telling us a little bit about the Plan Bs that they attempted during the past week, which is one of the Wonderful things about this program, they're doing it real at any town high school, and um, what could be better than that? Uh, next week, the rare Monday that we don't have something scheduled. Our Mondays these days are packed with any town high school and with our um, educators panel, which will be back again the first Monday in November. But next Monday is... Uh, well, October 31st, and um, get your questions in by email if you want to from the Lives in the Balance website, and I'll be answering a ton of them uh, next week. I'm going to be trying to get them all because we don't have that much um, question and answer time on this program anymore. Uh, not that we're not happy with what we're doing. We're very happy with what we're doing. Um, without further ado, let's bring our friends from Anytown High School onto the air. How are you all today? Good, Good. thank you. Good. And um, I know that you all have some Plan Bs or attempts at Plan B to tell us about, but I also uh, know that you had some questions that you wanted to ask before we got going. Should we start with the questions or should we start with the Plan Bs? Plan B. Let's start with the Plan Bs. Who wants to tell us? Okay, so um, we started a um, plan B today with a student. We have um, the process we went through was uh, once a day, um, we every day we meet as a team, so all uh, for one period, so for about 45 minutes. Um, all the teachers on the team meet, as well as the social worker on the team or guidance counselor that's associated with the team. And we all um, agreed on a student to choose to begin with to Plan B this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And we went through together as a team and um, filled out the ALSA together and then began the flowchart. So on the flowchart, we picked one person, which was myself, to begin um, talking with this individual about um, his the unsolved problem number one. Um, And then today I met with the student 
and there was another adult, another member of our, our <coughs> panel here uh, was in the room as well. Just We were just all kind of going back and forth. It was a very casual um, conversation. And we got as far, uh, we got through the empathy step today. And that's where we are with this student. So let's hear about the empathy step. Um, First of all, it sounds like you're doing a lot right. You are uh, trying to identify lagging skills and unsolved problems by using the LSUP first. Yes. Um, you're prioritizing. You're deciding yes. what unsolved problems you want to be trying to um, solve with the kid next. Um, yes. So the the specific problem we came down with is um, I began by uh, starting the empathy, empathy step saying, I've noticed that you have difficulty getting to class on time, especially in math class. Um, so we started off very specific in what class it was that he was having trouble getting to. And it was actually in all of his classes he's having trouble getting there on time. Yeah. Um, and since he doesn't start off the class on time, he also has trouble. Everything goes downhill from there. So we mm -hmm. decided to begin at getting to class on time to see if that will help um, the other difficulties he has in class with not being prepared, not getting assignments um, even started. Um, so he agreed that he did, does have a problem with that. Um, I just asked him if he could talk more about it. Um, and I kind of explained to him that I was going to be writing things down, and I put it on myself. I told him I have a bad memory, and I don't want to have to ask him the same question over and over again. So I just told him I was going to write stuff down, and I kind of read off to him exactly what I was writing so he wouldn't feel intimidated. I thought by me writing stuff, so I was I was just direct quoting him the whole time. And, and he was very receptive to that. He didn't seem, like, put off at all that I was writing down what he was saying. Um but he mentioned that he, uh, what it came down to is that he's late because he likes to say uh, what's up to everybody he sees in the hallway. Um, he also gets more energetic towards the end of the day. So we went through, we started in math class and he went through his whole schedule and told me, basically he went through and described why he was late for every class. Fantastic. What can you tell us? Um, for the morning, he's late because he still puts his stuff away in his locker. And as the day goes on, he basically said, um, by last period, he, he gets energetic, was his direct quote, uh, because he likes to say what's up to everybody. Um, one of his classes is two doors away from the other one, so that one's he's not late to. And, um... In one class, he doesn't like to be late to anymore because he gets points off in that class if he's late. Oh, fine. Maybe he should be getting points for every class to be on time. <laughs> that was a and, joke, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and that was as far um, as we got today. I wanted to have time to digest everything he said, so... Um, I told him, you know, we discussed that. So for this week, he's going to work on just trying to focus on getting to class on time, and we're going to meet again um, on Monday 
during next Monday during the same period to talk about how it went, and then I was going to go into the next step. Good. So now here's my question. Yes. If you had to, in a soundbite, tell us why he's late to class, what are the different reasons that he's late to class? Um, Because he's talking to everybody in the hallway. Okay. Um, That's basically what it came to. And then in the morning, he's still putting his stuff away. Okay. So we have two things that seem to primarily be getting in his way, yes? Yep. Now, here's my question. Uh, Given what you know of this kid, and I I don't have the slightest idea, that, that might be all there is to it, but I always like to be sure. Given what you know of this kid, do you think that's pretty much it? The, the two main reasons that he's late to class are in the morning he's busy putting his stuff away and during the rest of the day he's talking to kids in the hall. Is that it? Um, that him, I think he's a very social student in general. Um, that's one of the trouble we also have in class with him is um, trying to get him to stop talking during throughout the entire class. Um, but the one topic we chose to talk about was um, him getting to class on time. Got it. So that's what I guess I'm asking is, do you think that's all there is to it? Yes. I I, I have a question. This is Lucy. I'm wondering, because he has trouble getting started, uh, like, I'm wondering if he's, I mean, he says he's coming late because he's mm-hmm. not going to say hi, but I'm wondering if it's also because, I don't know, maybe he doesn't want to get started because it's too hard. Like, I'm wondering if there's maybe a more academic underlying issue. And we um, could always ask him. Right. For this individual student is extremely bright. Um, he has a tendency to get even very silly in class. So I would almost imagine maybe if to the other extreme that in some classes they are too easy for him. And maybe that's why. Um, But I'm speaking, I'm also his math teacher, so I'm speaking from that point of view. I have him period one, so he's still kind of mellow from period Mm -hmm. one. I know if you talk to him at the end of the day, um, the teachers have men- mentioned his behavior is very different um, in all of the classes at the like end of day, especially yeah. after lunch. Um, he's very energetic, and he mentioned that himself. Um, but in math class, he finishes. He is able to get started on his assignments and is finishes them rather quickly. Okay. Um, so I guess my my question would be for you. Uh, would be where do I go from from this point now that he was I I guess I able to identify that he thinks he's late because he's you know saying hi to everyone so now do I just go and set a goal with him right away of him not doing that or what what would my next step be? Okay, well first the, the reason I was asking is do you think that's all there is to it? Is um, whether you think. Um, 
you want to stick with the empathy step a little bit longer just to inquire about any other factors that might be coming into play. We've heard that um, it might be that some of the classes that he could be going to are too hard. We've heard that some of the classes that he could be going to are too easy. Um, so that's why I'm always asking, do you want to hang out in the empathy step a little bit longer? But we would be missing a very important step if we moved straight into solutions from here. Remember, there's three steps, and the second step is to define the problem step. This is where you're getting your concern or perspective entered into consideration. And I suspect you have some concerns about him being late for class. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the that's what we want to enter into consideration next. So that then we are trying to come up with solutions in the invitation that address the concerns of both parties. By the way, it's not unusual for people to skip the define the problem step. It's just that if you skip the define the problem step, the kid won't know what your concerns are. And if you skip the define the problem step, um, the kid won't be able to be engaged in the process of trying to figure out what solutions are that would take into account the concerns of another party. And worst yet, your concerns won't get addressed if we leave your concerns off the table. So the fact that he is late is not your concern. Your concerns are what it is about him being late that you think affect him adversely or his classmates adversely. That's what you're concerned about. So then you're ready. Then you're ready. So would I just come out with it and say because we believe that a lot of his other unsolved problems as far as um it could be triggered by him not coming in to class on time, so he's not prepared for class. Um, and then as he's getting his stuff from the, the cabinet, it turns into like a show about him. Um, and that's because of the fact that he's late. So now he is kind of like the center of attention in the class. Um, one of his lagging skills, we believe, is that he doesn't know how to... Um, get attention appropriately. I forgot the exact wording of it. Um, yeah. But difficulty seeking attention in, in appropriate ways. Um, so what I come out and, and specifically say um, that, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about you being late from my point of view is that it, it starts you off on a bad foot and now you don't have your bell work, you don't have your folder, and now you're getting behind and you're getting other students behind because now they're going to watch you come in the room and get all your stuff. Like, should I go into that much detail or is that going to overwhelm the student? Well, you don't want to overwhelm him, but you also want to make sure that he is clear about what your concerns are. And I, I think you can state what you just said rather succinctly. Uh, okay. And here's what it might sound like. My concern is that when you're late to class, um, well, tell, finish the sentence for me. That, that's how it would start. No. Is, is when you're late for a class, it starts you off on a bad foot, and it sets you up for getting in trouble for not having your materials out, um, getting distracted easily, 
uh, not being able to begin an assignment because you still have to go get your folder, find your pencil, find your pen, um, have all of this stuff put together. Okay. So <laughs> it sounds like that's a statement of the facts. I usually like, uh, and I think those would be fine. We don't want to go too much further than that because it's going to sound like adults badgering beyond that. Yep, right. That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah. Um of those concerns, which do you think is affecting him at adversely the most? I'm wondering if there's a way for us to combine those concerns um, into sort of something general. Uh, and I usually like to be specific about concerns, but um, my concern is that when you're late to class, um, um, Did you say it seems hard for you to get to work? seems hard for you to get to work and you often don't have the materials you need to get to work. Would that summarize it well? Yes, or you're unprepared. Unprepared is a little less descriptive. Um, you don't have the materials you need, and um, you're already not aware of what we're doing in the class. Those are your concerns. Because then in your wording of the invitation, you're going to say, I wonder if there's a way. And see, now we're going to get his concerns and your concerns back on the table. We're going to restate the concerns of both parties. I wonder if there's a way for you to socialize with your friends. I wonder if there's a way for us to make sure that you can socialize with your friends. We didn't say when, by the way. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a way for us to make sure that you have time to socialize with your friends, but not... Um, get to class late so that you are, but oh, but I'm gonna, but still make sure that you are ready to go when the class starts and have the materials you need and know what's going on. There's the problem you're trying to solve. How can he um, socialize with his friends and, as it relates to the first class of the day, um, get all of his materials in order? but still make sure, and that's often the bridge between both concerns, but still make sure, but still make sure that you are um, aware of what's going on in class and have the materials that you need. That's the problem you're trying to discuss. If we leave out either concern, if we leave out the empathy step, then all we're talking about is him being ready for class and having the materials he needs. If we're only talking about his concerns, then we're only talking about how to find time for him to socialize each day because we've left out the fact that he's not ready to go and doesn't have the materials he needs. Only by doing both the empathy step and the define the problem step do we make sure that the problem we're trying to solve includes both ingredients. Does that help? Yes, very much so. Good. May the at force what, be with you. At what point would you start making suggestions for how to correct the behavior or to deal with the behavior or anything along those lines? Like, how do you know when you've gone far enough with the empathy well, step I, finding the problem? Well, in, in the empathy step, you're just trying to get his concerns on the table. You're not trying to, and truth is, even in the invitation, you're not trying to correct anything. And we don't want to steer it back to behavior if we've done a really good job of getting, remember, behavior is not 
um, the unsolved problem. And behavior is not his concerns, and behavior is not your concerns. So behavior is really not part of what we're doing in Plan B. And correcting is not what we're trying to do in Plan B. Problem solving is what we're doing in Plan B. So you can't really talk about solutions to those problems until you understand his concern or perspective on the unsolved problem and your concern or perspective on the unsolved problem. And that's the first two steps. So I can't say that at any point along the way in Plan B are you really talking about correcting a particular behavior. What you're trying to do is find a solution so that he has time to socialize with his friends. And I didn't say when that was. I don't know if that's going to be between class. That's what you guys talk about. And make sure that he's in class prepared and has the materials he needs. So I don't want to steer it back to correcting behavior because what we're trying to do is solve the problem. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You sure? Honestly, my brain has a little pro- bit of an issue distinguishing between the two. I'm sorry? My my personal thought process has a little bit of difficulty distinguishing between the two because if you solve the problem, in my eyes, that would correct the behavior. So I'm having a little difficulty differentiating. Well, in this case, the behavior is him being late to class, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that the behavior? And yes. you're right. If we solve this problem, presumably he wouldn't be late to class. And so this may not be the perfect example to differentiate between the two. But often behavior refers to hitting or spitting or screaming or running or something, right? And in those instances, correcting the behavior would be something entirely different than solving the problem that's giving rise to the behavior. So let's say that because he was socializing in the hall, let's say that because he didn't have his materials for class and wasn't ready to go, he was swearing. Now, um, you're you're right again. You've by solving the problem, you've I don't know if I used the term corrected the behavior. I guess the main point is that in collaborative problem solving, you're really not so focused on the behavior per se, but rather on the unsolved problems that are giving rise to the behavior. Yes, if we find a way for him to socialize that still permits him to uh, be ready for class and have the materials he needs, then he wouldn't be late anymore. So I guess it's more than a matter of semantics. It's a matter of what are you focusing on? And I find that if we focus on the concerns of both parties, that's a much more productive approach to things than merely focusing on the behavior. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, for I mean, one of the, the issues that we had with this student in class that got us to this point was um, he will often just get up in the middle of class and start yeah. dancing. Or if the phone rings, he will start um, singing. Um, but he he has several other unsolved problems. But as a team, we thought that maybe if we were able to work with him, at least getting set up, that might help some of his other um, more blaring 
unsolved um, problems. Well, and you might be right, and you might not be right. We'll find out if you're right. Yeah. I, um, on the surface of it, am not so sure that if you fix the things that are causing him to come to class unprepared, that you will also solve dancing in class. Not sure about that. You'll find out, but that sounds like a bit of a reach to me. There may be other things coming into play related to dancing in class that merely having him be on time wouldn't solve. So you might be right. You might not. If you're not right, <coughs> you'll simply have some other additional unsolved problems to solve. So in terms of if they're starting with a discussion about arriving late to class, if that's where they're, they've chosen to begin, and they've opened the dialogue with Carlos, where do they go from there? Like, do they continue? Are they going to continue with the define the problem step step and making it more specific? Well, um, the define the problem step would be next after the empathy step, and then when we feel that the kid has a clear sense of the adult concerns on this unsolved problem, we will move on to the invitation and brainstorm solutions. Is that clear? Did that answer? Did I answer the question? Yeah. I'm just I'm a little stuck so on sure. the idea. I'm trying to broaden my idea of what the solutions would be because we're so used to trying to correct behaviors that I'm still struggling trying to understand like what some examples of finding that solution would be with a student like this and what it might look like. No, I, I agree with what she's saying because, I mean, I think of, of the obvious solution. Well, don't say hi to everybody in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> that is obvious, so, isn't it? So I'm, right. And so I'm wondering what am I going to meet with him now to talk about for 20 minutes when, <laughs> I mean, the, the solution I would want him to say is I'm not going to talk to everyone in the hallway. I'm not going to say hi to everyone that I pass by. Like, No, I understand it. And, and here's an interesting thing. Very often... Those are our solutions. But now let me paraphrase that solution. Are you ready? Yep. Kid, just don't have the unsolved problem that you have. Okay? That's the solution. Okay. Not only And plus, in many schools we say, don't have the unsolved problem and we'll make it worth your while to not have the unsolved problem by, you know, incentivizing you not having that unsolved problem. But he if you do continue to have that, I'm sorry? He he brought up incentives. He did? Uh, at one point uh, during I, the empathy step, he said, if if I was, basically, if I was given uh, movie tickets, I wouldn't be late to class all the time. Movie maybe. tickets are one of the incentives we give out. Right. Well, and until there's no more movies that he wants to see, you might be fine. But I'd recommend that we get the problem well understood 
and well solved. Um, otherwise, we'll actually never know why he's late for class. And when when the incentives stop working, if they work in the first place, we're back to square one. So, Dr. Green, I'm starting to wonder about um, the empathy step. Maybe we need to find out why it's so important for him to stop and say hi to everybody he knows on the way to class. Maybe. And here's the interesting thing. Um, I think it's going to be hard for him to stop saying hi to everybody on the way to class. But I don't know if we understand the unsolved problem so well yet. Sometimes, I do want to make the point, so often our solutions, um, not just in schools but everywhere, our solutions are simply don't have the unsolved problem and will make it worth your while. That is frequently the solution we come up with. Um, We we don't want that to be the solution because... basically saying, don't have the problem, okay? But often when we're having trouble coming up with solutions that are anything except just don't have the problem, okay? Just don't stop and talk to people, okay? Um, <laughs> and we'll make it worth your while not to, and we'll make it worth your while, we're going to make it painful for you if you do stop in the hallway. Um, often when we aren't coming up with anything other than that, it's because we don't understand the kid's concern or perspective well enough to begin with. And sometimes that means it's time to go back to the drawing board. But I agree. Um, It can be very hard when our solutions have historically been just don't have that unsolved problem, okay? It can be very hard to think outside of that box. Mm -hmm. But thinking outside that box is made much easier when we really understand what the kid's concern or perspective is and when we're really explicit about what our concerns are as well. Because otherwise we're just telling him not to have the problem, and that, that's what makes perfect sense to us. Um, good luck. Dr. Greek, um, this yep. is Marisol. So when would it be reasonable to say that when you are trying to clearly define the problem and understand the problem from the student's perspective, it's a way to begin to work through solving the unsolved problem? Because that's actually... I don't actually think I quite understood that. Okay, so one of the questions that somebody asked was, you define the problem, or you know, from the kid's perspective, you define the problem from the adult's perspective. But yeah. then what, what exactly, what's the work that's happening <clears throat> to actually focus on solving the unsolved solved problem. So my so my question is, is the step in the direction to solving that when you are hearing from the student what their perspective is as to why Absolutely. he feels this need to say hi to everybody and why he feels dancing in front of the middle of the room is, you know, needed or why he sings when the phone rings or what have you. Is that reasonable to put together? I I would say, if I was to rephrase what I think you're saying, um, understanding what's going on with the student is going to be a major part of helping us think about 
solutions that might help. Without that information, we don't know, we don't even know what we're trying to solve. Oh, I see. Okay, so... So let's, let's see if we can come up with an example here. Um, let's say we were talking with a student about um, incomplete homework. Mm-hmm. If we were to go with a solution of just do your homework, just do it, um, and we were going to incentivize doing homework and punish the student for not doing homework, <coughs> then I would say that we're doing things in basically the same, uh, in a fairly typical way that hasn't worked for the student. But if we were to explore with the student what it was about the homework that was making it difficult for them to do or what was getting in the way of doing the homework, and let's say I'm just taking stuff off the top of my head here, um, the student was having difficulty with some key aspect of doing the homework, then all of a sudden solutions start to materialize. The, the universe of solutions has just opened up to us especially solutions that would help us solve whatever is getting in the way of the student doing homework. If we never get past that level, and therefore what we're hearing from the student, the student's concern or perspective on that unsolved problem, is what informs the solution. If we don't get that information, then we're practically relegated to simply saying dude, we really don't understand what's getting in your way on this, so we're kind of going to do this the way we always do do it, and that is do your homework and you'll get rewarded and don't do it and you'll get punished, but don't have that unsolved problem. And that's that's not working for these kids. The So to, to, to the point, yeah, the information that we gather in the empathy step about the student's concern or perspective and the explicit concerns that we have, not just don't be late, but how being late affects the student or others. Once again, in the define the problem step, our concerns are usually related to how the unsolved problem is affecting the student and or how the unsolved problem is affecting other people. Now we have the raw material that we need. Now we really understand what's going on here. And then I find we've opened up the universe of potential solutions. Without that information, I know I'm repeating myself, we are relegated to don't have that unsolved problem. Do your homework. will make it worth your while. Don't do it. You'll pay the price. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if that's what – I think it was Marisol who was saying it. If that's what you meant, Marisol, that the information you gather in those first two ingredients begins the formulation of solutions, that is absolutely right. And without that information, the solutions tend to be uninformed. So this is a lot harder than simply saying to a student, don't have that unsolved problem. And it's a lot harder than simply incentivizing what it is that you want. A lot harder. But in my experience, a lot more productive because you're actually finally figuring out what's getting in the student's way. Uh, another example, um, l- let's say that I was getting chronic speeding tickets, chronic speeding tickets. Uh, the solution to that unsolved problem is not just don't get speeding tickets. It's 
don't speed. That's not the solution. <laughs> Similarly, apparently, those speeding tickets and uh, the fines that are associated with them are de-incentivizing speeding. I'm being punished for speeding, and it, it does get expensive. This is only salient to me at the moment because I got my first speeding ticket in a while, uh, about two weeks ago. Um, they're expensive, <laughs> and, and, and expensive tickets are punishing. Um, but there are people who get chronic speeding tickets and are chronically being punished almost to the point that they're at risk for losing their license. The rest of us could easily say, dude, just don't speed. But if the guy or gal could not speed, he or she would not speed. Clearly, we need to understand the problem better than we're understanding it now. Will the driver pay the price for speeding too often? Yup. Is that fixing the problem? Nope. So I find that it's very easy for us frequently to say what the person should be doing instead. But if we mm -hmm. run with the kids do all if they can mentality, and if we run with uh, if they could do well, they would do well, what that tells us is that simply telling somebody what they ought to do instead, simply modeling the alternative behavior for them, mm -hmm. simply giving them the incentive to do what we want them to do, the replacement behavior, and simply uh, de-incentivizing or punishing what we don't want them to do. These are the kids who we who are not being helped by that whole mentality. That's why we need to get to the bottom of it. So, if, <clears throat> for example, if we had figured out this problem, defined it, really knew exactly what was, you know, making Carlos stay in the hallway, what what might be, and it doesn't have to be the actual solution, but like what might be an example of a solution that you could start developing with this student? I don't know yet, but um, and mainly because I'm not quite clear enough on his concerns. But let's say, but but let's let's take the concerns as they are right now. He's having trouble getting his stuff together first thing in the morning. I, I would want to understand that better. Is that because he's coming in late and getting a late start on doing that? Is that because he's really disorganized? Once I had a better sense of that, I assumed that a solution would be oriented around helping him organize himself in the morning. Once again, now that now we've moved off of just don't be late. Now we've moved on to the actual issues that are making him late. So I suppose if this is disorganization, um, we might need to come up with a solution to help him be organized. But once again, that's very different than don't just don't be late. Um, let's say that we find that um, he, he there's other times in the day that he could talk with his friends, that it's not so crucial that he talk then. Or let's say that he doesn't get to see his friends any other time of the day, um, and therefore in the hallway between classes is really the only time he has to interact, and I'm just winging it here because I have no idea. Then the solution would be oriented around finding a time for him to um, uh, have time with his friends during the day that he pre didn't presently have so that he didn't feel 
so much need to socialize with them between classes. And I, I'm kind of skeptical about whether that's going to be what it truly is, but that lets you know that um, now that's not just saying don't be late once again, and it's not incentivizing being on time and punishing being late. It's really getting to the bottom of it and coming up with solutions that address what's really getting in the way. And, and that's a good example of moving beyond simply correcting behavior with whatever the desired alternative behavior would be, but really getting down to figuring out what it is that's getting in the way of the student exhibiting the desired behavior. And that's just a completely different looking way of going about solving problems. And I think that might be the best I've explained it all day. Maybe not. Mm. <laughs> that help? Some yeah. Let's see what you all come up with. We, we only have about... Well, go ahead. It's very frustrating to not know if you've totally figured out the problem. Well, you know, you'll find out. Times, a lot of times our students don't necessarily know how to articulate what's bothering them, and so they'll say, you know, so, something related, but it may, may not be exactly for them what's really happening. No, because well, they have the problem. Go ahead. What, what I was going to say is your solution will either solve the problem or it won't. If it doesn't, sometimes that's because we weren't that as clear as we thought we were about what the concerns were in the first place. And that's usually good reason to go back and revisit the concerns of both parties um, because either the solution will solve the problem or it won't and that's problem solving that's you know that's life in the problem solving business um, sometimes the solution doesn't get the job done in fact frequently the first solution doesn't get the job done and that's often because the solution wasn't as realistic as we thought it was or wasn't as mutually satisfactory as we thought it was or we didn't really have as good a sense of the concerns of both parties as we thought we did, and the solution, sort of by definition, is going to address the concerns of both parties. So it's only going to address the concerns that we have on the table in the first place. Any concerns that we didn't have on the table, any facets of the unsolved problem that really weren't very well understood yet, the solution won't address those, and then it's back to the first two steps of plan B to figure out what we missed. What do you think? I think I'm just interested to see what the student comes up with as a solution to this well, uh, problem. Remember, he's not, he's not the only one who, this is a team effort, Right. So if he doesn't have any ideas, we hope you do. And remember, it's got to be mutually satisfactory. It means it's got to address the concerns of both parties. It's got to be realistic, which means it's not pie in the sky. I think just be on time to class, kid, is pie in the sky. He's already proven to us that that's going to be hard for him. Um, here's the good news. We're not done yet. Uh, these are some of the struggles that 
lots of folks have when they're moving from solutions that are simply oriented toward telling the kid what he needs to do instead and to stop doing what he's doing now, and I wouldn't call those solutions, and moving toward solutions that truly address what's really getting in the kid's way. The good news is that we're talking about it says that you're making progress, and that's good. Unfortunately, on that note, we need to end for today. I look forward to talking with you all again. Good luck with your continued efforts in Plan B. Uh, Unfortunately, that's going to do us for today on collaborative problem solving at school. Uh, Q&A next Monday, and then the educators panel the Monday after that, and then we got any talent back. Talk to you next.